If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free and everyone loves free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which makes it very convenient. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Finally, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So take a moment to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Bookshelf. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a little bit of time since I last saw you, but I have a very special guest this morning who I think you will love because I love her. I love her book. This is Dr. Robin Martin, and she is phenomenal. I think she is the epitome of black girl magic. And I am here to talk to her today a little bit about her book called uh, Navigating Courage. And for those of you that are joining us on Facebook Live, this is what the book looks like. And she is here to talk to me a little bit about the backstory behind the book because that's the focus on this podcast. So hello, Robin. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'm so excited. You guys don't understand how excited I am to have her here because her book is so good. So I'm going to jump right in. And what I do with all of my guests is I try to give a little bit of backstory about how we met. Yes. In our case, this is the first time we actually met in person. But we do have something in common called the takeover. The takeover. Okay. So (laughs) I can share a little bit of my experience about the takeover and you can share your experience about the takeover. Okay. Okay. So do you want me to go first? Go first. Okay. So I'll go first. So for those of you that don't know, the takeover is a travel group that is operated and run by my very lovely cousin called uh, named LaShanda Riggs. Hey, Shanda. And um, she's been doing this for so many years. Such a great group of women and men. Phenomenal opportunity to travel. Gary has gone with us before. I went on the Barbados trip. And Robin, which trip did you go on? I went to Greece. Okay, Greece. Oh, that was the last one. Oh, yes. It was awesome. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> it was so good. So good. So good. Okay. So that's how we know a little bit about each other. Yeah. And now I'm really just going to hop right in. Let's do it. Okay. So I want to start with the title. How did you get to Navigating Courage? Yes. And so throughout the book, uh, I talk a little bit about, I talk a lot about leadership. Uh Uh-huh. I talk a little bit about how, uh, as a black woman, we really are kind of changing ourselves to meet the status quo. Uh, We're kind of morphing into being, into Uh ourselves oftentimes. And in order to morph into yourself, sometimes it takes courage. Yeah. So I often say in the book that courage mm-hmm. also has the word rage. Mm-hmm. And as many black women, we've been called the angry black woman. Yeah. I actually have a part in the book that I say I own that now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not quite sure that you can be courageous without rage. Right. The word courage has rage in it. Mm-hmm. But it's not this kind of rage that we think about in this kind of real, real angry way. Mm-hmm. Really, it's this rage and rage of of really being not letting not really wanting the status quo and so courage actually literally means 
cries of the heart. Wow. It means cries of the heart. Okay. And so for me, uh-huh. we are navigating truly at the cries of our heart for our families, for our communities. Right. And that is where that anger comes from. And not until we are actually start to reconcile with that rage mm-hmm. that we can really be courageous and step outside of ourselves to improve both our lives and the lives of others. That is phenomenal. Well, thank you. I read that in the book. And um, one of the things that I loved about your book is you really talk about these Esther moments. Yes. So can you describe to everybody what those moments or what that or, or how Esther in the Bible, mm-hmm. how she, how you integrate her into your book? Yeah. So if you recall the story of Esther, uh, Esther married a king mm-hmm. and she was a Jewish woman mm-hmm. and not many the king did not know Esther was Jewish at the time. Uh, Jump forward, she had an uncle named Mordecai, and Mordecai um, knew that Esther had married the king without her knowing, mm-hmm. not him knowing that she was a, a Jew. And at the time, the king had instructed um, that all the Jews be killed. And Mordecai came to Esther and said to Esther, um, it is your job to save us. But out of that fear, Esther was uh, really bewildered because she knew that if she had actually said to the king that she was a Jew, that she herself could be killed. Yeah. The most powerful part of that story is Mordecai said to her, God will deliver the Jews. Mm-hmm. He will. He will send someone. Mm-hmm. But what if you had come for, to this time for such a time as this? Uh-huh. And when I think about my career as being the only black female athletic director, being the only black female in those large rooms, what I say to myself oftentimes when it gets really hard, mm-hmm. what if I have come? for such a time as this. And it gives me that another level of courage mm-hmm. to really, really act. And I think we're all built for that. Right. We just need to be able to channel our Esther moment and ask ourselves that to really be able to be more powerful because it really is not about us. Mm-hmm. The other thing I say about courage is courage is not about, we can be angry about what happens to us individually, Yeah. but rage is really about community. Hmm. The Esther story is about community that God will send someone else, but what if you right. were here to save our community? Yeah. And when we really get to that point, then we really understand that, that we're acting not of ourselves and in ourselves and for ourselves, but really for a greater good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I think that that Esther moment for me, I never looked at it like that. Yeah. I was very familiar with that story in the Bible, but I never put it in that context. Yeah. And and Dr. Robin does such an excellent job in putting that in the context throughout throughout the entire book because yeah. I did read the the whole book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was great from beginning to end. Thank you. So one thing that I did want to touch on is. A little bit in the book, you talk about your brother's story yeah. and a little bit about your mom. Yeah. So I want to see if you could share that, uh, some of those stories yeah. with the audience so they can see how you got to be, so they can see how you got to be this courageous woman that stemmed from some of these stories from her mother, from her brother, and then also throughout her career. Yeah. Um, as you read the book, you're going to see how Robin develops herself. Yeah. And I would love for her to talk about how her development went from, your mom's name is Gladys. 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 <laughs> and, um, and then her brother, he can sleep with his eyes open. Is that right? He could. He okay. could. So uh, he had this <laughs> uncanny ability. We would all be sitting in church, and he would, he would sit in the back of the church, eyes wide open, and he would be snoring. 
And we would all be in the back, and my mom would be in the choir, and we would all be in the back, and she would think that we were asleep because uh-huh. we would drift off, kind of twitch in our seats, and she wanted all of us to, to stand up straight. Uh-huh. The truth of the matter is he was the one that was asleep, and he could sleep with his eyes open, and she never knew it. And every Sunday she would punish all of us for uh-huh. really not being paying attention to the message, right. not knowing that he was the one that was actually asleep. I use that story in the book because one of the things that I've struggled with is I see everything. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the meeting and I'm mm-hmm. thinking in my mind, really? Th- that's an untruth. Mm-hmm. Or I can't believe this is, this is the answer. I see it all. And sometimes I think our superpowers, what we call our superpowers, oftentimes we uh, try to mask them. And it's hard to see it all. It's hard to be in a room and, and to see the destruction as it's going when you're in those leadership positions and that you're the only female and that you're the only black in the room. Uh, and for years, I tried to just say, I don't see this. Um, but what I realized is, you know what? I do not have that skill of sleeping with my eyes open, that my mm-hmm. eyes are always open. And because they're open and because I see, then it's up to me to do something as I'm in that moment. There's so many powerful stories about my mom mm-hmm. uh, that th- this podcast can't really go mm-hmm. into. But one of the biggest gifts that she gave me, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, is this art of questioning. We called her the judge and the jury, Gladys Martin. Often we would, um, in our household, my mother would ask us to always talk. We would talk all the time. Mm -hmm. If we got in trouble, she would ask us why. Why did you do what you did? Right. And she would go into that, and, and it would take two hours of a conversation. And me and my brother and sister would laugh to say we'd much rather have a, had a whooping at that point mm-hmm. because we would be lectured for the next two hours. But she taught me how to question. Uh, she taught me how to, do, to put together an argument, to argue it, and to really put together some logical outcomes for it. That line of questioning has helped me throughout my career. Yeah. It's allowed me not only to just, for my brother to see, mm-hmm. but also to question um, and to ask the powerful question in the room that most people don't ask. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a, that's a form of leadership oftentimes mm-hmm. that we're missing. Yeah. A, we don't, want our, we don't want to see what we don't see, yeah. but more importantly, we don't really want to ask the critical question that needs to be answered so that we can move forward. Um, those lessons are powerful in leadership, but more importantly, they're powerful for growth. Yeah, I would agree with that. So my question to you is, at what point in, in your tenure, mm-hmm. um, when you found that the art of questioning could have or maybe worked a little bit against you? It does. Okay, so can you describe to, to us what that feels like? Because I, I too, I wasn't taught the art of questioning, but I learned the art of questioning Mm -hmm. as I went through my various careers and industries Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I learned that sometimes I could be thinking the exact question that other people wanted to ask, but Mm -hmm. they were too afraid to do it. And then as Mm -hmm. soon as I did it, I got in trouble for it or I got reprimanded for it. And it wasn't always a good thing. So I wanted to ask you, how did the art of questioning maybe yield a different result than mm-hmm. what you thought it mm-hmm. would have. Yeah, uh, it always does, right? And yeah. so I think we try to anticipate whether or not uh, the question is a good question or not a good question. Uh-huh. It's just a question. Right. I actually say in the book that uh, there's, there's consequences for actions and inactions. And so when we think about bringing it back to navigating courage, mm-hmm. you do have to navigate 
those courageous behaviors because there are consequences for both actions and inactions. And once I start to realize that piece of it for mm -hmm. me, um, the question needs to be asked. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are consequences for asking it. And there right. are consequences for not asking the question. And so when we start to understand that part of it, mm -hmm. um, then you really do have to say, how do I navigate this entire situation? And is this question really important uh, for a larger community outside of myself? Um, and not focus so much about the action. But yes, there have been many, many times in my career that I have asked a question uh, and have gotten reprimanded for the question, ostracized for mm -hmm. the question. I often say that I started to learn how to go to lunch very early on in my career alone uh, because once I would ask that question and walk out of the room, I was real clear that I was the only one yeah. uh, leaving that room alone and going to have uh, lunch alone. So. There are risks in both of them, asking and not asking. Okay. Um, and we often determine that on an individual basis. But yeah. the older I get, I realize that the questions need to be asked. Mm -hmm. um, and go back to the Esther moment. What if yeah. I was made for a moment like this? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I want to shout out to um, Mia Bean. She's watching right now. Okay. Hi, Mia. If you have any questions for Dr. Robin, please drop them below so we can answer them on uh, Facebook Live. And I'm going to cut back to you. Okay. Uh, so um, <clears throat> can you describe to me what your form of leadership is currently? Mm -hmm. It's a double question. Yeah. And how you got to that form of leadership. Like, did you start out leading in a particular way and then you ended up leading differently? Yeah. Or did you always know that this, a particular form of leadership suited you best mm -hmm. and then that's what you went toward? Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think you ever get there. Okay. Right? So part of, part of what I was writing this, why this book exists uh -huh. is because I think we know who we are at the core, and so those very early on stories are stories about my core. Yeah. And then we shift because people are saying you shouldn't question so much. Mm -hmm. You should listen and not be, you should be seen and not be heard. And so we have all these reinforcing messages mm -hmm. about who we are, and so we start to morph into something that we don't even recognize. And if you, the book says it. I've more, I, at one point in my career, I actually morphed into something that I didn't even recognize myself. Mm -hmm. But what led me back to those core principles uh, were the, those Esther moments, where knowing that I can see with my eyes, I should be having my eyes open at all times. Those core, core messages or core principles of who I was, that really was the way I was leading. Um, and so it is this gradual kind of progression of discovery of self more so than it is kind of this leadership type. I study leadership for a living. And so we have all these different types, particularly mm -hmm. in the Western world, mm -hmm. about how leadership should go and what we should really do and how we should act about leadership. But I think it's a continuum. It's a continuum of a learning and journey about who you are and discovering your gifts and your talents and when you can lead and when you can follow. Mm -hmm. At the end of the book, though, I bring in an African philosophy called Ubuntu. And Ubuntu is a humanist way of thinking about leading and being. Mm -hmm. um, for me, Ubuntu and the principles of Ubuntu really speak to who I am as an African-American woman and thinking about uh, principles like modeling the way, like understanding the collectivism and understanding the community, understanding um, this continual self-development and reflective, but in a positive way. But more importantly, it has taught me that, that leadership is really about community. 
is that when I truly believe that I am connected to you and you're connected to me, right. I show up differently because mm-hmm. you have a set of talents and skills that I am dependent upon and vice versa. So we show up differently in that. So I think I strive to have those same core values as Ubuntu, mm-hmm. but truly this, this journey of leadership and the way we think about it, we need to change the way because it's not a destination. Yeah. It's a daily reflection of how do I get better in being, of being, mm-hmm. of being. Okay. That's perfect, actually. <laughs> um, one, one thing that I wanted uh, to highlight to the audience is a, sh- is a story that you shared with me when yeah. I first talked to you. Um, for the audience that, that's listening and watching, watching, I have author chats with these authors before yeah. they actually come on the show. And we chat for about 20 to 30 minutes, a, a little bit about their story, a little bit about their book. And Robin shared a really powerful story with me about how she actually started writing yes. this book. Yes. And if you could, Robin, I yes. would love you to sh- I would love for you to share that story with okay. them so they could see the process you went through yeah. while writing. Yeah. So writing is always personal. Mm-hmm. Um, far more than it is technical. Right. At least for me, I can say that. At least for me. So the book. For years, I would write thoughts of the day. When I was really going through really, really uh, anxious times, happy times, I would write thoughts of the day. Mm -hmm. So I had this collection of thoughts of the day for the last probably five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until a a good friend of mine uh, passed away, uh, Dr. Curry, uh, Terry Kershaw. He actually sat on my dissertation um, committee. Mm -hmm. And Terry and I were really good friends. And I'd sat at the university in various different positions, very high level positions. Um, I saw Terry on a Thursday, and I had long braids, mm-hmm. uh, and we hugged it out, and we promised that we would have lunch uh, the following week. I had an event on the following Tuesday, and his wife sent me an email and said, we can't make it to your event tonight because we're leaving out of town tomorrow. Have fun. Let's get together when we come back. Mm-hmm. I, receive an, I receive a text message and email at about 2 o'clock in that morning uh, saying that Terry had dropped dead of a heart attack. Wow. I was devastated. Yeah. I was devastated. And for a whole week, I just laid in my room and cried. Yeah. And at some point, I couldn't, I didn't realize what was going on. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't stop the grieving process. And so I said, there's something else really at the core of this. My good friend has just passed, but there's something else going. And it wasn't until I uh, met one of our, another colleague, and we started to share different stories, that I realized that I was the carrier of the seed. I was Esther. Yeah. I was carrying all the seeds of the untruth around meritocracy and diversity and inclusion, uh, and I had witnessed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I was not just only grieving my friend, I was grieving um, the ideal and principles, particularly that we hold in higher education, and watching them not be upheld. Yeah. The next morning I spoke at um, his commencement, I mean at his service, mm-hmm. and I left out and went to sleep that night. That night. I woke up that morning, I dressed to the nines, like literally suit, jewelry, big, bold earrings, and I went to AHOP. I went to AHOP. I went to AHOP and sat in AHOP for nine hours and just began to write. Wow. And it was that pouring out for me Mm -hmm. that really gave me the courage to write the book. I knew in that moment, though, after that nine hours, this would turn into a book. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know all the different steps of right. the book, mm-hmm. but I knew it was going to be a, it would it would be a book. This is a part of the story that I didn't tell you, though. Okay. 
So a year and a half into writing the book, at that point I didn't have a, I did not have a title for the book. Okay. And I'd gone on a writing retreat and to, to, to Kentucky. Uh-huh. And I was up in the mountains. And the night before, I started having a fit. This is not going to be a book. Oh, my gosh. I can't write. This is horrible. I am not going to complete this. Forget it. Forget it. I'm tossing it all out. Wow. Went to sleep. The next morning, I woke up, and it was as if I got it. I understood what the, the different parts. I could see the different parts. I woke up, 5 o'clock, sat at the table, coffee, started typing. Couldn't stop typing. Four hours later, I stood up after sitting for four hours. I stood up and realized I was going to pass out. I literally passed out at that moment and crashed my head into a glass window, a glass uh, table, head first, straight down. Wow. I was with a writing partner, and I don't remember. I had a small cut on my lip and an abrasion on my face, and I I came to. Uh Uh-huh. And she said, and after we cleaned up, she said, what were you writing about right mm-hmm. before you crashed? Mm-hmm. And I said, I was writing about leaders should be more courageous and that we really do need to, to be conscious about the world that we want to see. Mm-hmm. The table that I crashed into um, was a glass table, and underneath the base of the table was a bear. And when you look up... Uh, the totem for a bear it really is, talks about leadership and courage really it does it does i left that retreat uh-huh knowing that god had spared me number yeah. one right and that this process will yield a book and that this was the place i was supposed to be that i had i had much more of a a purpose and mm-hmm. it was driven by something that was way beyond me mm-hmm. because you don't you're not six three and stand up and fall straight down and crash your face into a glass a glass table and only to come out of it with a cut. And so I understood that right. this had to move forward. Uh, so my, my soft launch on February the 10th uh-huh. of this year, I soft launched a book in remembrance of that day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Such a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. How long did it take you to write this book? Uh, two years. Two years. Two years. So when you were writing the book, did, were you still working? I was, full-time. You were? Full-time. Wow. Oh, yeah. How'd full you do time. that? Yeah. Uh, a lot of 4, 4 a.m. mornings, a lot okay. of nights. My friends would say that I just, uh, every time they would call me, I would go, no, I'm writing today. No, I'm writing today. No, I'm writing today. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. It becomes a passion. Again, mm-hmm. it becomes something, it takes over mm-hmm. your being. It takes over your being. Um, again, it's, it's outside of yourself. Okay. So, yeah. Do you think there's a second book in you? There's definitely a second book. Okay. I've already started the second book. Have you? I have. I have. Yes. And it really kind of builds out the contents of Ubuntu. Okay. I really do want us to think about Ubuntu as a principle uh, for leadership in the Western world. We don't yeah. think about it in that way because it's from Africa. Um, but I think it explains a lot, particularly around community. Mm-hmm. Um, on how we should be leading and not this kind of ideal of meritocracy and that we've pulled ourselves up by the bootstrap and we've all worked so hard that we've gotten there by ourselves. Mm -hmm. But it really centers us back to think about what community really looks like and why we're leading. Uh, And I think this is a new way of thinking about leadership. So I've already started writing that book. Cool. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, do you have any last words that you want to share with me, the audience, about your process, about the stuff that you have going on? How can we support you? What can we do to help? 
Yeah. I think at this critical time, there's no uh, better time for us to individually think about our roles. Okay. And changing this world. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we think about ourselves outside. We keep saying things are siloed, things are messed mm -hmm. up, but we really all do play a part. If we think about we're interconnected mm -hmm. and that we create, we co-create everything in this universe together, yeah. uh, then I think that we will, we will continue to kind of act differently, be differently, and understand the real value of leaders and leadership in that way. How do you support me? Leading Beyond the Post has been, um, it's been around for the last three or four years. It's a full service leadership and executive coaching. I do a lot of public speaking mm -hmm. around leadership and training around diversity and inclusion. And so I look forward to expressing those ideas and research around Ubuntu uh, and really building the practice uh, around leadership uh, a little bit more. So Leading Beyond the Post is a great way to do it. It really was a name thinking about, hey, I, I, I played basketball. And so I'm six oh, three. That's right. So I'm six three. So thinking about that as a as a as a positional right. uh, position, but also thinking about our functional positions. We think about our jobs as a mm -hmm. way in which we, as our as our main source of leadership. Mm -hmm. If we think about leading outside of our functional positions and leading largely in our community, then I think that's a better way of thinking about leading. So, cool. so yeah. Okay. So I do have a surprise question. For okay. You. Go ahead. Okay. Who is your favorite leader, male or female? <sighs> do you have one? My mom. Really? It is. Miss Gladys. Miss Gladys. Okay. Miss Gladys. Miss Gladys. And she doesn't even know it. She doesn't really? even know it. But absolutely, she is that for me. Um, she is. And so we think about, again, that positional mm -hmm. power. But she is a woman. She really is a woman of courage. And she has had a hard life, but she's navigated it. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the end, I dedicated the book with her for her, to her. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I say is all mothers give birth, mm -hmm. but she gave me freedom. She gave me yeah. freedom to be exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. That's leadership. It's when we give people the freedom to be exactly who they are. Uh, to me, then we can all live our, lead out of our purpose mm -hmm. and make this world a better place. So, Gladys. Miss Gladys, I think that's a great way to end, Dr. Robin. Thank you. I thank you so much thank for you being for here. Me. It's thank so great me. to talk to you, great to see you, great to have this lovely conversation with you. And I hope that everybody can go and support her book, Navigating Courage. Um, we should have the links up on how you can support the book, how you thank can you. support uh, Leading Beyond the Post. Yes. And I want to say thank you again. Thank you so very much You're for having welcome. me. Yes. So we're going to sign off now, everybody. Thank you so much for those who... For those of you that watched, thank you so much for having me as a host. And we are, I'm going to come back to you in about two weeks with another author with another great book. So that is it for today. Thank you so much and goodbye, everybody.